0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: They can travel anywhere in time and space.
0: Off we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space are sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn.
1: And I'm her companion for 2018, Philip Gilfus.
0: Yay, 2018! (laughs) So, Happy
1: New Year to everyone. Yes,
0: Happy New Year.
1: Now, through the magic of space and time, for you listeners, we are actually going to be in a completely different space when you hear this. We will be on a much-delayed honeymoon to England as you listen to this. So um, we hope that we have safe travels and look forward to reporting our adventures when we come back.
0: Yes, we have Hamilton tickets.
1: Yes, we're Hamilton junkies. That'll be our next podcast one day.
0: You think? Maybe. (laughs) You just want to do a podcast about Alexander Hamilton. So, in this episode, we tie a bow on 2017 by talking briefly about our viewing of Twice Upon a Time on the movie screen... And then spend the majority of our time discussing the 13th Doctor and her companions, as well as potential storylines and other speculation.
1: Right, but before we begin, I thought we would talk about some comments we've gotten since Time and Space uh, debuted last week with our three episodes. From Twitter, this is from at LHA again, or LHA again, possibly. They tweeted, This is a lovely start to a new Doctor Who podcast. Lots of enthusiasm and some interesting facts and connections. Yay! So thank you for that.
0: I also really like the little emoji, Doctor Who TARDIS thing with the Santa Claus hat. That's very cool. (laughs) From Facebook, we heard from Brian Yates, who said, Enjoyed the first three episodes. I had been aware of Doctor Who for a while, but didn't watch it regularly. The first episode I remember watching was Turn Left, which didn't make a lot of sense as a standalone episode. Finally in 2012, I watched all that available, that was available on Amazon and have kept up with the show since then. So even though he, uh, didn't watch it regularly, he's still ahead of the game as far as I'm concerned because I didn't watch it, start watching it until what, 2016?
1: Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I'm a late comer. Also, just for the record, we are not going to do fan comments every week because we are not that self-indulgent. But it's fun to hear what people are saying early on in the run.
1: I mean, if you keep sending us fan comments, though, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, no, do, do <laughs> not stop.
0: And we do read them. I'm not saying we won't read them. We just won't read them aloud on the podcast.
1: And remember, you can reach us at our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash TheNerdParty. And you can always comment on our show page there. Or you can reach us on Twitter at JoinNerdParty and uh, tell us what you think of of Doctor Who.
0: And please do. Right, so let's talk about seeing the Christmas special at the cinema.
1: Right, so we went to uh, the movie theater. So Fathom Events, which always puts on these events in the movie theaters, sponsored this event. And it was very interesting. We had very cushy uh, seats. Oh, we had
0: reclining seats. It was fantastic. The only thing that could have made this experience better would have been... Beer. Beer. Yeah. Definitely beer.
1: But uh, <laughs> other than that, this the movie showing, other than showing, of course, the Christmas special again on the big screen, which was pretty cool, there was sort of a pre-show which was what we had already seen on BBC America.
0: Although I think they added bits. I feel like I saw some bits last night that I hadn't seen in the past. Right, so the
1: pre-show at the Fathom event was uh, a reflection on Peter Capaldi's time as the Doctor. The (laughs) post-show of the Christmas special at the movie theater was basically a sort of uh, look behind the scenes. Of the filming of the Christmas special. Of
0: that particular episode. Yeah, and that was a lot
1: of new stuff. There was maybe like 10% something we'd seen before on BBC America when they aired the Christmas special. Um, But a majority of it was new and very, very interesting. Yes. Anything particularly as far as the post and pre-show stuff that you thought particularly good? For
0: me, I think the thing that I found most interesting was discovering that this cast and crew filmed... The last bit of Peter Capaldi, he does his regeneration, and then they wrapped it up and walked away.
1: Yeah, I thought it was sort of left unclear, and maybe I should have done more research before recording this episode, but of when Jodie came on board, you know, of how she did her film. Yeah,
0: because Peter Capaldi says when they say, hey, that's a wrap. He says, I know whoever's coming next is going to be great or is going to love you or something along those lines that suggested that Jodie Whittaker hadn't been announced yet when he finished filming his last bit. I found that very interesting just in terms of continuity and and things like that. Yeah, I guess
1: it did strike me. The filming for the Christmas special was pretty early in 2017. It was like late spring. Uh, well,
0: they said June or July. Was yeah, that late. So yeah. Never mind.
1: But yeah, because I always think it's, and, and I remember it before. You know, when Tenant said goodbye, like there was like one photo of Matt Smith sort of walking down the backlot aisle. You know, as sort of in the in the tattered clothes. So yeah, I, I didn't. You never saw a picture, sort of an official picture of Jodie you know, in the 12th Doctor garb, you know.
0: Yeah, and it looks like just from what they showed with all of this that she wasn't at the table read. Again, if they hadn't, well, I know, (laughs) but, you know, if they hadn't even announced who it was yet um, at the table read, I, I guess it just, I just sort of assumed that they would finish it up with her... Last little bit and then walk away. And the idea that there were two complete sort of show, probably not crew like the cameramen and people like that, I assume stay, uh, but completely separate directors, showrunners, possibly uh, presumably even writers um, for that last. 60 seconds of film i just find that interesting i
1: wonder if it works like i almost imagine for lack of a better analogy like um uh, a new president um or or you know new prime minister if you need that in your head of you know the term of office because with the showrunners like you know is it like noon on inauguration day that you know um
0: you gotta uh, have your stuff out of the office Stephen
1: moffat you know as soon as peter capaldi stops glowing his term is over and then chris comes on board and he's in charge after that so you know anything with jody has to be under the you know chris uh yeah under the new regime
0: yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i guess i'd never thought about it but i found that interesting i also found it very interesting listening to matt lucas talk because I sort of assumed, of course, he only had a very small part in this, but I sort of assume that he ad-libs.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so I assume he ad-libbed about the glass nipples, and I assume he ad-libbed about the invisible hair.
1: And the cuddle.
0: And the cuddle. <laughs> and, and he still may have done that bit. Um, but he talks about the discovery of the fact that his character had glass nipples. He's like, I didn't know that. And he says specifically that, he had overheard Stephen moffat mentioning his invisible hair at one point Mm -hmm. so apparently all of that was was all part of the part of the plan and i found that quite interesting
1: i think the most of the post show was and i can't pronounce where was that in france that they filmed the world war one or is that in britain i assume it's in france Yiprise? oh I don't know where they uh, yeah it I pretty
0: yeah, is, is is in France, yeah, um, but I don't know if they filmed it there okay,
1: but anyway, but like, I assume
0: they didn't film it there okay.
1: the the crew and the cast talked about how haunting it was to film the the World War one scene with no man's land and the and the Christmas armistice to have this sort of like the, the war surrounding you and all these soldiers coming together, you know David Bradley, the first doctor and Peter Capaldi, the twelfth doctor we're all about like On the point of tears during the first take or something and said, it's a real powerful experience to just be around that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I have to admit, I cried this time. I didn't cry the first time we watched it, uh, but I cried this time. And I think part of it was knowing what was coming. And so then I was able to look at details and things like that. But I still, and I still, I just think it's such a powerful story on its own, the story of the 1914 Christmas Armistice. But I also think, you know, Peter Capaldi's highlighting of, you know, it's the only time ever that people have put down their guns and made peace even for a moment just spontaneous completely spontaneously and that makes me so sad i think that's such a beautiful moment
1: mm-hmm. um, sort of a very of course proud moment of british history i mean german history as well right
0: absolutely absolutely i mean it's something that it has been used, I think, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before last, that it was a Sainsbury's commercial. <laughs> and still, you know, the, the Christmas commercials always, you know, John Lewis and the Sainsbury's adverts and all of that are always meant to be tearjerkers. So uh, that one was particularly poignant.
1: But it was, it was of course, fun to watch, the special with a movie audience. You know, you got some, having seen it before, I don't know how many people in the theater had already seen it. You would think they all did, but anyway... Or we're seeing it for the first time. No,
0: I think yeah. I mean, there was a gasp at one point that I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember when when it was. It was towards the end, but this gasp came from behind us somewhere, and I was like, "Yes, yes."
1: <laughs> but it's always fun to get that sort of group's reaction, yeah. whether it's the laughs or or whatever. But yeah, so that was a good experience, and you know, we always encourage people. You know, you should definitely have some meetups or something whenever there's a good Fathom event, whether it's the Five Doctors Rift Tracks that we saw in the past or the uh, the special and i'm sure rumor mill you know we don't know a lot about series 11 but sort of the rumor mill is that much like the 12th doctor's first time out deep breath was shown in the movie theaters after it
0: Ah. came out that maybe
1: the 13th doctor's debut will sort of be feature length and will also maybe have a movie release as well Oh, i
0: hope so because i quite enjoy the events that Fathom does. I mean, I've just done two of them, but Mm -hmm. they've been nice. And again, I do love reclining (laughs) chambers.
1: So it's always a must. Well, since we've talked about Series 11, that's going to be the bulk of our talk. So uh, Chris Chibnall, if I'm saying his name correctly, is now the new showrunner of Doctor Who. You know, the Stephen Moffat era is over. Now, what has he done? Broadchurch.
0: Oh, right. I knew he'd done something that I knew. I mean,
1: he's done more than that. Yeah,
0: but. Broadchurch. Right. Ooh, interesting.
1: I believe, and I really should Google without saying this, but I think he did a little bit of Torchwood. I don't know in what capacity, but Broadchurch is what we would know him from. Of course, I think maybe that's how he chose Jodie.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that.
1: But, you know, he's now in charge. I think he probably has another executive producer who I'm blanking on, but it's sort of his now... Vision of Doctor Who is going to be going forward here.
0: I have to be honest, I consider Broadchurch a little bit in the Doctor Who universe.
1: Is it only because 75% of the cast is from Doctor Who? That is why, yes. Okay,
0: I see. Yeah, you can't watch it without going, oh yeah, there's a Doctor Who. Oh, there's another Doctor Who. Oh, look, there's a Doctor Who.
1: Of course, it. Uh, for those who haven't, now we've only seen the first two series of yeah, Broadchurch. We haven't started there's a three third. Yet. The fr- yeah. third one we have not seen. Um, so, for those who don't know, Broadchurch, uh, British series, uh, certainly.
0: You uh, must watch it. That's our first piece of advice. Sure, it
1: is on Netflix, U.S. and I'm sure elsewhere. But it doesn't. Well, I was going to say it stars Jodie Whittaker, the thirteenth Doctor. I mean, it stars many people. Yeah. Broadly speaking, haha. Broadchurch. Broadly speaking, <laughs> the first series is about the murder of a child in a small English village, and Jody plays the mom of the of the m- murdered child, and the one of the detectives is of course
0: David Tennant, David Tennant,
1: the Tenth Doctor, yeah. and um, we have many other uh, Doctor Who alum. Uh, Rory plays the the village priest, absolutely
0: um, Arthur Darvill, yes, yes.
1: They don't have real names, darling.
0: Okay, sorry. <laughs> and, of course, David the, Bradley. Yes, the second first doctor.
1: Uh, the third first doctor.
0: The third, okay.
1: Because the fifth doctor was...
0: Okay. One. Oh, yeah. Yes, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So he plays a shopkeeper in the, in Broadchurch as oh, well. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: As long as there's some other folks who, who've been in Doctor Who parts because it's a everyone's been a doctor at this point and, and
0: well and england's a very small country exactly so yeah
1: but um, before we kind of maybe go into what Broadchurch might tell us let's let's talk about some of the actors that have been mm. revealed before we get into jody and maybe what the 13th doctor will bring based on the one line we heard from her oh um, brilliant <laughs> so let's talk about some of the companions which of course i think you may know more than i do but i'll at least list some names here so the first companion that was announced bradley walsh He's going to be playing Graham. No last name yet. Maybe they don't have last names, but he'll be playing the character Graham. And I sort of have him down as as being an actor, comedian, a singer, a TV presenter, various and sundry. Uh, to the top things he's from is a Coronation Street, which is you know very widely known British series, as well as Law and Order UK. I don't know how you do an English dun dun, but.
0: Yeah, no, I think that works. I don't think I ever watched the Law and Order UK. I know
1: Martha was in it. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I know she was in it.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and Bradley Walsh is sort of... I, I Googled to see what exactly I knew him from because I've known his face is very, very familiar to me having lived in England. But I don't know that I've ever actually seen anything he's been in. He does game shows he does adverts i see him on the telly all the time but couldn't really tell you what he's done he's one of those kind of people he's just
1: everywhere now if i show little cards here he was the first companion announced, and you were a little disappointed.
0: I'm, I am, and, and it's got nothing to do with Bradley Walsh, because I like him. He's a familiar face, and I always like familiarity. I'm a little sad that they announced the first female doctor and then immediately announced her middle-aged white man companion. <laughs> um, so now her other companions there's a lot of diversity in this grouping and I'm pleased about that so it'll be interesting to see what the middle-aged white guy brings
1: right well and now because the two other companions and I hope I say these names correctly is actor Tosin Cole who'll be playing Ryan and then Mandip Gill as Yasmin I might be saying that one wrong. Now, they're both uh, younger folks, I think. And yes, yeah. Uh, the only thing I could see that they were both in, not at the same time, but they were in Hollyoaks. which Is, is that sort of like a British soap opera? Or? Yes,
0: it's another one of the British soap operas. Um, you sort of got Coronation Street and EastEnders are the big ones, and then you've got shows like Hollyoaks, which is just a little bit less popular, I guess. It's more of an afternoon soap, whereas Corey and... EastEnders come on in the evening, that kind of thing. But it is the soap opera that I watched for a time. I had stopped watching it by the time they came in, but it's very exciting. It's one of the interesting things about British soap operas is almost exclusively it's a stepping stone you know you've got some some favorites who stick with it and are there forever and ever but a lot of people do it for a couple of years and move on to to bigger and better things so you just
1: start out either in shakespeare or soapbox.
0: and a lot of times both a friend of mine dated a holly oaks actor for a little while while i was over there and he actually trained with the royal shakespeare company (laughs) and then moved on to Hollyoaks. so uh so yeah it's it's all oftentimes times
1: both well those are our our other two companions will bring a little more diversity as you said and it's interesting another name that popped up and i don't know her too much is sharon d clark i think she's known as actress and singer again i don't know her that well Mm. Uh, all we heard is mysterious returning role which i sort of translated as villain but
0: oh interesting
1: but i don't know that was that was sort of my guess when that's sort of like mentioned casually like oh there's this other actress She'll be reoccurring, yeah, like, hmm. I suppose
0: that yeah that that makes sense, I think, ooh, river song. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it, it could go. But we and we another need little a bit of diverse of casting sort. there as well. Yes, absolutely. And I hope she sings. She is a West End singer, musical. So uh, it would be really interesting to to be able to see her perform at some point. But we'll see.
1: Now it's sort of interesting that um, the thirteenth Doctor. We have three companions. Now we haven't had three companions for a while. In fact, and now I'm sure this is where the part where listeners can yell at me when I'm wrong. But honestly, I can't think of a large companion group for a Doctor since the Fifth Doctor. To me, it goes back that far. When the Fifth Doctor had, if I can do this off the top of my head, Tegan, Nyssa, and Turlow. Uh, I hate Turlow. But anyway, that's the last Doctor <laughs> I can think that had three companions. Mm. After that, it's always been just the typical young lady Companion. I mean, yeah, we've we had Rory Amy and Amy. and Rory, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But again, it, it was clear that Amy was the companion and Rory... Was
1: Amy's companion. Was
0: Amy's companion. <laughs> yeah. And a, the same thing a little bit with Rose and Mickey Ricky.
1: <laughs> um, That's true.
0: You know, he showed up occasionally. Jack would show up occasionally, yeah. And when I think about Capaldi, Bill was his companion and Nardole was... Also there. Also there, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they, if they're able to space it out evenly or if they even want to. I mean, that's a lot of characters to write for and to keep up with and to make us care about. I mean, to bring in four or, you know, if you count Sharon Clark, five completely new characters all at once. Uh, That's a lot to to try and make an audience care about.
1: Now, of course, and, you know, you can't always judge a lead writer um, by what came before, but Broadchurch, for example, many characters in Broadchurch, and we sort of got looks into all those different people in the village and all their stories.
0: Yes, absolutely, but this is a completely different setup. Mm -hmm. And so, so, yes, that may well be that we get sort of a highlight on different people, but... People want to know the Doctor, That's and I'm hoping that that will be the first. Of course, you know, unfortunately, the Doctor fell out of the TARDIS and is presumed dead now. So, <laughs> you know, it may just be Doctor Companions. This is the <laughs> spin off.
1: Right. Well, you know, and, and it's always hard to know where Chris is coming from in his sort of vision, you know, is he looking at sort of new who, you know, he's looking at the Ninth Doctor, Tenth Doctor, Eleventh Doctor, and Twelfth Doctor and thinking, you know, I'm going to do something different or, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little, you know, we sort of have nothing to go on at this point, um, but that's not going to cause us to stop speculating, so let's speculate. So the Thirteenth Doctor, we got one line,
0: mm-hmm. uh, brilliant,
1: we, we didn't get it. Ah,
0: oh, brilliant.
1: Yes, we didn't necessarily get any, uh, you know, uh, catchphrases, no Geronimo, no... Alonzi, nothing like that, like we we've gotten before. Well, oh, you
0: you don't know though, do you? Our brilliant <laughs> might be the catchphrase. All right,
1: so get those tattoos done yeah. um, <laughs> in time. And uh, I was reading an article that said York that, that they described the 13th factor as having a nice Yorkshire accent. I, I I mean, she definitely was very coming from Peter Scottish. She definitely had a, a you know different um, mm-hmm. accent. You know, I, I obviously I trust you more than me in spotting. Accent types, but I, I didn't quite place that, other than different.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I could have called out Yorkshire or something around that area. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think I would have been pretty close with that, yeah.
1: So, But she she definitely... Isn't it weird to say she as a doctor now? No, I love it. Keep <laughs> saying it. <laughs> but it was interesting that she was definitely happy. I mean, I, again, we're going to just go magnifying glass into this, you know. Yes,
0: and seemed less confused, Right. I mean, as soon as she said, ah, brilliant, she started pushing buttons like she knew what she was doing. Except,
1: of course, that button.
0: It was not the right button. (laughs) In fact, it was
1: the wrongest button to press, apparently. Possibly.
0: (laughs) We don't know for sure that this is her fault. Let's not straight away assign blame, out of the, you know, last few who haven't known how to drive the thing. Right. She seemed relatively confident about that.
1: Except falling out of it. Uh,
0: again, I, th- <laughs> I
1: think we're not,
0: we can speculate, but I'm not ready to assign blame yet, darling.
1: But I, I think it's an interesting setup, because, uh, and, and again, without knowing who wrote that part, you know, did Chris write yep. that, or did Steven write that? Because Stephen described as writing the episode, and you would think he wrote it, but I also feel like there's a courtesy, you know, it's not your doctor, you really shouldn't write for them. So I don't know if he's like, all right, it regenerates Chris, you got... Two pages, what do you want to do? You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I can't believe that, that Stephen Moffat would be like, okay, I'm writing this, and then I'm going to have her fall out of the TARDIS and see what you do with that. Ah!
1: You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't
0: feel like there must have been some communication.
1: But it's sort of a, a good setup because, of course, the 13th Doctor is going to start her her uh, her uh, regeneration with no TARDIS. You know, so it's, it's not like um, I'm thinking, you know, all the other ones. They sort of had a TARDIS... Some of them already had companions, but this is sort of, I guess, as far as New Who goes, I guess Eleven would be the closest comparison because he was also a new showrunner. Of course, he had a wrecked TARDIS, so he, he eventually got his, it was locked for the entire episode, his first episode, the Eleventh Hour. The TARDIS sort of locked itself to repair itself, so he had to act without it the entire uh, episode. Yes,
0: yeah. Now, and he didn't have a companion.
1: Right he Amy yeah. was the first person. Right, he met.
0: that's how, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to think, mm-hmm. you know, who hadn't had Capaldi. Obviously, already had Clara,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Tennant had Rose. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, so it'll be interesting that we have a falling Doctor. I don't know how she'll get out of it. I mean, falling, falling traditionally, I don't know. It, it goes two ways. You know, the tenth Doctor fell out of the spaceship in the end of time. He was all right. The fourth Doctor fell probably about you know. 20 meters and died and regenerated. So I guess it just depends on what doctor you have.
0: I see (laughs) no other solution but to kill her and regenerate her straight away. Exactly. Into Bradley Walsh, the old white dude. (laughs) I I think is probably what they're planning.
1: Exactly. (laughs) But now we did get some reveals in the past uh, weeks and months. So we have a new uh, costume if, for lack of a better word, outfit—I don't know—uniform. Yeah, what's the word?
0: which seems a little bit hodgepodge. Seems mm. to have a, a little bit of homage, if you will, to um, lots of different doctors. So yeah, that'll be interesting with the sort of short, short trousers, um, almost military sort of trousers. Yeah, it
1: reminds me of my dress blues when I had, mm. was in the army. It sort of has the fanciful suspenders and T-shirt. And then the trench coat, kind of Tenth Doctor-esque, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then earrings, which is going to be our first for a doctor. She actually has two earrings, so obviously that's sort of, you know. Yeah. She's a girl. She, she's <laughs>
0: a girl. And then the boots.
1: Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, it is a bit whimsical. Of course, the doctor always should be, but um, I know we were talking earlier the other day about whether this might be more of a... 11th doctor fourth doctor you know again she she seemed very positive a very humor humorous so i don't feel like maybe not necessarily a dark ninth doctor or a introspective 12th doctor so i don't know where she will be on the doctor spectrum but
0: (laughs) but it'll be fun to find out anything else
1: well just that so far all we know is an autumn I saw there was a few jokes about premiering this fall, haha, uh-huh, because she's falling. Uh, an autumn 2018 premiere date, which is not a date at all, of course. That could mm. mean August, could mean anything.
0: Autumn—that's f- ages it away. It is.
1: It is. Um, I'm afraid so.
0: What are we going to talk about between now and then? I
1: don't know. We only got fifty plus years.
0: Like for our marriage? Uh,
1: really, I really don't think it'll be that long.
0: Oh man, I had fifty in the pool. <laughs> Well, speaking of 50-plus years, shall we uh, head into the TARDIS library?
1: Kind of riffing on the theme of a newly regenerated Doctor, I thought we would visit or revisit the Sixth Doctor uh, when he regenerated into the new Sixth Doctor. And this is in the Twin Dilemma serial, which first aired... March 22nd, 1984. It's always weird to think of Classic Who as being when I was alive. Um, A synopsis for this serial is the following. A race of giant gastropods is taking over the planet Jakonda. Their leader, Mester, now intends to cause an enormous explosion in order to spread his people's eggs throughout the galaxy, and he kidnaps juvenile twin geniuses from Earth to work out the necessary mathematical equations. Space fighters, led by Lieutenant Hugo Lang, are dispatched to get the twins back, but they come under attack and Lang is the sole survivor when his ship crashes on the asteroid Titan III. A newly regenerated doctor and his companion Perry become involved and help Jaconda's elderly former ruler, Professor Edgeworth, who was really a time lord named Asmiel, to defeat Master and free the planet's bird-like indigenous people, From the Gastropad's Reign of Terror. Jessica, this was your first time, I think, meeting the Sixth Doctor, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But of course, this is his first time, so you don't have to know anything.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Now, I chose this because this is universe. Well, I I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I always think of this as the most extreme, confused doctor regeneration. But what did you think of how this new doctor met his new regeneration?
0: Yeah, it was it was strange, and it, I think it was unfortunate that he was this confused in such a confusing plot. Anyway, <laughs>
1: yes,
0: you know that that didn't help. You know, just listening to you read it, uh, I, I I was going, oh, that's what was happening, oh. <laughs> I didn't realize that the bird... Li- okay. So it made for a little bit of confusion that I think could have been helped with a simpler plot line. Mm-hmm. And the twins were creepy, but that's not what you asked about.
1: And how'd you like him choosing his outfit?
0: Yeah. It made me think of sort of what the Doctor Whos actually do. And of course we see Doctors it... Doctors Who? Doctors Who. Yeah, that... Yeah. Um, it also made me think of the first doctor with the cyborgs in the South Pole where the girl comes out in her fur coat and she's like, you've got a fantastic costume shop or wardrobe or whatever she says. You know, this idea that he has rooms and rooms and rooms of just random outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's fun. I, I like that as a canon piece.
1: Yeah, I think it'll it'll be interesting how the 13th Doctor chooses her costume, whether she goes in the wardrobe or, like, the 11th Doctor just steals it from a locker room or something. And I guess I'm trying not to project myself, but now I'll show my cards. I really don't like the 6th Doctor. I really, he's my most least favorite Doctor of all. And I don't think this introduction helps, because first he trashes his previous incarnation. I think he called him feckless at some point, and I love the 5th Doctor, so I'm like, that's not a great way to start your series. I mean, that's even bizarre on so many levels, just to critique the prior doctor, like, um, really? And also, he tries to kill his companion.
0: Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah.
1: And he's very egotistical. And now, the greater story about this was that he was supposed to come across this way, but you were eventually, over years, supposed to learn... That um, even though he was sort of written negatively, quote unquote, you're come to know him better and, you know, sort of peel the layers of an onion and then jokes on him. He got fired several, you know, a few years later. And so I I just thought, you know, it's, it's sort of the oddest introduction. Now, I'll tell you this, Jessica. Would it surprise you to know that The Twin Dilemma is rated as the worst Doctor Who episode ever?
0: No, not necessarily.
1: See, to me i've seen worse i'm actually surprised yes
0: i can agree with that i i have probably seen worse but uh it's just so hectic there's just so much going on mm-hmm. and then with him being as confused as he is it just it doesn't come together very well
1: yes yeah, so, i mean it's sort of like the last line of i'm the doctor and you have to get used to it i'm like there's, you're not ingratiating me in yeah, any way, shape, or form. Yeah, none of this is
0: endearing.
1: Right. So, I mean, I, I hope... Now, I know sort of looking back at all the prior Doctors, and we don't have to do this all in the next you know, 30 seconds, but, you know, with the 12th Doctor, we sort of had the 11th Doctor hold our hand... To help uh, introduce him. Yeah. and uh, Which I
0: also wasn't crazy about, but no, never mind. I thought it was too yeah. much. I think
1: you, got to, you, you have to trust the fans. I think, yeah, well, y- even if they're new to Doctor Who, well, if they're new to Doctor Who, they don't care about the prior Doctor Who. Yeah. And if they're not new to Doctor Who, we know what regeneration means. We don't need to... Yeah,
0: have, have and our... you have to cut the cord. Right. Otherwise, we keep thinking that Matt Smith's going to show up in all the episodes and it gets our hopes up.
1: <laughs> well, that's sort of been our discussion and speculation so as we said we hope you'll join the discussion jessica what will we be talking about next week
0: we are going to be talking about the only thing that we're going to be talking about for probably the whole month of january which is going to be our trip to the uk we will be back by then and we will bore you with all of the details you should only count yourself lucky that you don't have to look at all the pictures.
1: That's right. So obviously this isn't necessarily a Doctor Who motivated trip.
0: Otherwise we'd be going to Wales.
1: Exactly, because that's where all of Doctor Who lives. But we hope to make it a little bit Doctor Who and maybe talk to some natives about their native show. <laughs> about their opinions about what makes this British TV show franchise so great and if they're still watching, and if so, what they're looking forward to, this new Doctor to inhabit this classical role.
0: Although at no point are you allowed to refer to any of my British friends as natives.
1: Uh, Imperials?
0: Mm, only if they call you colonist first.
1: That, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, when it comes to traveling in space and in time, you're my favorite person to travel with.
0: Ah, is it because I don't hog the blanket?
1: It's because you paid for most of our tickets.
0: Okay, we'll go with that. All right.
1: We'll see you all <laughs> next week. This is BBC Television.